0: Thursday, September 23rd, the state legislators finally concocted a bill for medical marijuana in the state of Mississippi. And so we are here now looking at the bill. We've got a printout of all the highlights of all the details of it and we're going to go through this list of details and then we're going to give our ideas about maybe the intentions of what the bill is supposed to be doing and the pros and the cons of what we can see in the bill. So, before we start, why don't you go ahead and give your tentative ideas about medical marijuana itself and what you think that um, the state is going for just by allowing it, first off. Because Mississippi, as you know, is very strict about alcohol, about other substances. We even have technically what has been labeled in the actual legislature as a sin tax for cigarettes and alcohol. And that same tax is being applied to this. So, Chase, give your thoughts, your preemptive thoughts about all of this.
1: Well, I'd like to say right off the bat, I love how the state legislature of Mississippi and of other states are coming out with these tentative measures. We're going to tentatively allow limited use of marijuana. As I read the United States Constitution, they never had the authority to stop people from consuming marijuana to begin with. True. So there's that right off the bat. I don't know why it is that they act as if they have the authority to withhold or permit the use of, in this case, cannabis anyways, but that's a separate affair. Another thing I'd like to point out, in the state of Mississippi, and I don't know our listeners from other parts of the United States, from other countries, Um, we do have now social media. We have Twitter, Facebook, uh, under the the banner of the last conversation so if you're a listener i'd like to see some responses from you guys on our twitter and facebook pages we'll post a snippet of this
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and just comment there or however you choose to do it i'd like to know if you have a similar system where you live in the state of mississippi the state actually gives has given itself an enforced monopoly on the sale of liquor above a certain Content and I understand. I'm told that it's this way in several other states. So roughly, the way it works is: if your beverage that you produce is not classifiable as either a light wine or a beer, it may just be wine and beer. You have one customer as a producer of alcoholic beverages. If you if your alcohol content in your in your beverages isn't low enough to fall into one of those two categories, you're selling liquor. Mm-hmm. And you have one customer, the state of Mississippi owns a liquor warehouse, they buy your liquor from you, and then they resell it to retailers, bars, restaurants, things like this. So I say that because I feel like they're attempting and, and to me that's just blatant a blatant bid by a state government to monopolize the trade in a in a good that has high demand and high profitability. That's just blatantly what that is. And all the talk from lawmakers, lawmakers known for spending taxpayer money on expensive wine and catered dinners and bottles of expensive French champagne. All this talk from them about preserving the moral fabric of society by holding us back from destroying ourselves with alcohol or cigarettes or marijuana uh, is uh, absolute crap. And I see a similar attempt uh, with this. Marijuana bill, we'll get into more of the details about what the the lawmakers, the legislators in Mississippi have, have laid out the requirements for what you have to do to farm uh, medical marijuana or to own a dispensary that sells medical marijuana. But let me say, without getting into the, getting the car to the head of the horse and naming numbers just yet, I think you're going to see that. They have fashioned a system that will squeeze medical marijuana entrepreneurs for a tremendous amount of money. I mean, this seems to be what government does up and down the ballot, is that if they cannot figure a way to make money off of something directly, they just put their foot on it. And they hold the free market under their foot, no, you cannot do this period for any reason, until they figure out a way to make money on it. And then they release it to the public through this filter of the legislature getting to pick and choose who gets to, who doesn't get to, and what the price to get a ticket to ride is. So you're going to see as we go through this, there's an immense barrier to entry built into this legislation because the the licensing fee, if you would like to start a medical marijuana farm, you would think, There would be, and and by the way, in the state of Mississippi, which was, if I'm not mistaken, I should know this is my home state born and raised here. If I'm not mistaken, we were the last state to comply with the repeal of Prohibition. And a lot of Mississippi still has not necessarily repealed Prohibition because we live in a county of Mississippi, which up till very recently was an absolutely dry county.
0: And you're still not allowed to sell liquor here. Anything over something like uh, 8 to 12% alcohol is is not allowed somewhere in that range.
1: And it, it really is a hodgepodge because you have cities within counties that have declared themselves wet cities mm-hmm. that are surrounded past their incorporated limits by dry counties where you'll be arrested if you're caught with alcohol in your car or... And the point I was going for is, even in Mississippi, which is not friendly at all to people wanting to buy or sell any kind of a so-called hard liquor that is more alcohol than beer and light wine, even there, because I've looked at these requirements as a, a business interest before, the fees to have a winery or a distillery in Mississippi are very expensive, but it's a flat fee. And the last time I looked, they were nowhere near these numbers. We'll, we'll name numbers in a minute, but this yeah. is, this is meant to juice. This is one of two things. There, there's there's two mentalities I can see behind laying out these requirements for medical marijuana farmers. Either it's an intentional barrier to entry, as in, yeah, sure, we'll let you you cancer patients and all, we'll let you have the medical marijuana that everyone almost unanimously has been saying they want it in the state of Mississippi. Thirty-eight
0: states now in the country have either medical or recreational marijuana.
1: So to me, at this point, it looks as if the Mississippi legislature has either said, okay, we'll let you have it, but not really, because we're just going to install such barriers to entry that we know no one will be able or willing to invest the money to start a medical marijuana farm. Either that or it's just blatant money-grabbing. Because to me, given that the state isn't offering to put you in business as a marijuana farm, I mean, the fees to start a, a decent marijuana farm under these requirements, I, I kid you not, if you're listening to this, you could buy two or three automobiles for what it would take to build a reasonable-sized medical marijuana farm under these requirements. That's no joke. We'll name numbers later. but
0: So before, um, before we get too far into into it. We need to go over what the bill says. And I'd like to put forth my perspective a little bit because I'm going to let Chase have the cynical perspective and let him deconstruct it. And I'm going to try my best to find the good parts of it.
1: Which is to say, we're just going to act naturally as we always
0: do, folks. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously, I think me and Chase are both in agreement that medical marijuana is a wonderful thing as we both probably personally know several people who could benefit from it or who will benefit from it in the future. I know me personally, my grandfather, had to smoke marijuana illegally for a long time because he, his debilitating conditions, the only thing that he could treat them with were opiates. And as many people know, now that we have the quote-unquote opioid cripe crisis, across the country, and doctors have restricted the prescription of opioids, and states have tried to fight back against that, that is a very serious and dark path to go down. Uh, The pharmaceutical companies who create these opioids, they are extremely potent, they're extremely dangerous, and a lot of times, the only alternative for the pain relief is something like medical marijuana, because of its natural pain-relieving properties. So, and there's, there's, they address this in the bill as well. So I think it's a wonderful thing that's happening. Me personally, as someone who believes strongly in the freedom of individuals to choose what to do with their bodies, I personally believe that many substances, including marijuana, should just be legal from the get-go, and that there are other ways to deal with the negative side effects that come with having legalized drugs, which we have already explored and very well documented with things like alcohol and cigarettes. There are other ways to deal with these substances other than prohibition which I think always fails no matter what it is, whether it's drugs or knowledge or education. If you try to prohibit it, it only makes the system and situation worse. So I want to very quickly go through a brief of from top to bottom of what this document entails. I've kind of pulled out the important parts, and there's a lot of intricacies um, that you may have questions about, but... Um, I don't have necessarily all of the details here, even though I've read the bill over a few times. So, first off, the Mississippi Department of Health is going to be the primary authority over the program. And they're calling it a medical cannabis program. So, I guess from this point forward, I should refer to it as cannabis just to have less words flying through the air. And they'll be working in part with the Department of Agriculture, who will regulate the growing and the licensing and all of that. And, um, the Department of Commerce, or I'm sorry, in the Department of Revenue, um, which will be having power over the taxes and the licensing and and some of those extra fees that go on top of that. Now, an interesting thing to point out, um, I can't I can't recall his name, but I believe it's Andy Gibson is um, the lead man over the Department of Agriculture and Commerce, and he has actually said in response to this legislature that he. Um, refuses to participate, and he will not sign or allow or have his name written on anything that has to do with this medical cannabis bill. So um, the legislature has had to go behind his back, essentially, and write him out of all of the legislature and assign other offices to handle all of this because he says it's federally illegal and he will not have his name on any of it. He will not participate, and if they force his hand, he will file a Supreme Court lawsuit against them. So there's some obviously some infighting in our own state government going on here, but it seems that uh, the governor, Tate Reeves, has also previously several times stated that he's all for the medical cannabis, which, as any smart governor would, because 74% of the state's voting population voted for their own proper cannabis, civilian initiative called Initiative 65, which we'll get into later, was struck down by the state's Supreme Court over what I think, and a lot of other people believe, is a kind of a arm-wringing of the Constitution and the wording thereof. Um, they've, in, in the process of that, they did away with our independent right to form our own legislature as a population. They actually, um, I forget the proper name for it, but We used to have a system where we could write bills privately and submit them, and if they got enough votes across the state, they would then be proposed to be voted on by the public. Well, that ballot system has now been struck down by the Supreme Court over one small, well, not small, but one inconsistency that had been ignored for the last several dozen uh, civilian initiatives. So when it came to medical marijuana, they decided to nitpick this one. But... I'm getting into the weeds myself. So, where I'm going to quickly go through some of the ideas from this bill. So, we're looking at um, a bill that would give civilians, um, uh, citizens of Mississippi, the ability to go to a doctor. And if they have had a concurrent relationship with that doctor, that doctor can diagnose them with a disability. And these disabilities will be recognized by the Department, the Mississippi Department of Health. And they will have to co-sign on the disability um, to allow the dispensaries to give that person medical marijuana. So you're looking at, um, they use something called a uh, medical cannabis credit to do the dosages, but I've conveniently converted them to what is essentially this. You will be be allowed one ounce of flour per visit to the dispensary. Or a total of four ounces of flour per month. Now, if you can't, if you don't wanna smoke marijuana or cannabis, you could have a concentrated form of THC or a THC infused edible. So you'd be allowed eight grams of concentrate per visit, or a total of 32 grams of concentrate per month, or 800 milligrams of THC infused product, or a total of 3,200 milligrams of THC infused product per month. Um, This is similar to other uh, cannabis programs in other states. Um, They do the total limit of what you can have in your house is a little higher than what you can get monthly from a dispensary. So it allows you to go over from month to month without being a federal criminal. And the qualifying conditions range from everything from cancer to hepatitis uh, to chronic or debilitating pain. You have AIDS and HIV, Parkinson's, Huntington's, um... All, really, they've they've got a pretty extensive list. Even uh, things such as autism and um, probably some other mental uh, difficulties will be added to this list over time.
1: Here's something interesting. It says one of the qualifying conditions is pain refractory to appropriate opioid management. Mm-hmm. So, am I reading that correctly to mean that if you have pain that cannot be handled with opiates, so it, so there. Basically, what that means is they're supposed to try to control it with opiates, and if that doesn't work, then they can you can be given marijuana.
0: Right, and and I think that's actually fairly common, but I'm hoping that they'll give it give you the marijuana first rather than tr- go through the opiate treatment because Mississippi has one of the worst opiate opioid crises in the in the country. Well, let it be said, I, I would really love it if some
1: upstanding roughly independent think tank with the assets and the brain power to do it would uh do a little watchdogging on the state of mississippi because i would like to know the mississippi republican party and the mississippi democratic party and the individual uh Legislators, the Governor, all involved, I shouldn't say the Governor he seems to be in favor of it. Maybe he didn't get any donations. I'd like to know whether or not, and if so how how many, how much money has come into the state of Mississippi from pharmaceutical companies and or outside marijuana establishments because you have you've had legalized marijuana in California and Colorado for some time and in other states. And I'd very much like to know whether it might be that some of the people who are uh, vehemently opposing this are vehemently opposing it because they've got pharmaceutical companies and possibly uh, marijuana producers outside of Mississippi donating immense amounts of money to people in Mississippi to stop Mississippi from... I mean, we, Bren just said it. We have the largest opioid crisis in the nation. Well, we have one of the largest. Well, one of the largest, but think about it. And and see, we're kind of late to the table on this one. So you think about it. If every state that has a morbid, and all 50 states do, if America suddenly uses marijuana, which is easily grown and produced and processed, far easier to make and cheaper than opioids, if we suddenly, in one fell swoop, legalize marijuana and we fix the opioid crisis right off the bat, I'd like to know how much money that's going to cost big pharma a year.
0: And I think it will. I, and, I mean, of course, a lot of that money will just be transferred to the state. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. But um, I think that um, pharmaceutical companies do not necessarily are not in favor of medical marijuana. And I wouldn't be surprised if they put some money towards it. But I can tell you a fact that I have found that I've, no one else is talking about is that there is at least one very affluent businessman from Arkansas who is in... Well, I'll I'll just read this, what I've typed out here. So, a medical marijuana businessman from Arkansas um, has been lobbying in Jackson for a while now. His name is Stephen LaFrance, and he's owner of Natural State Medicinals, which is one of the largest producers of medical marijuana in Arkansas, and he has several dispensaries to his name. He has two legislators in the state capitol who have been lobbying, and who were the ones? These two state legislators. I wish I had their name, but they were the ones who came up with the idea on the ballot where you had Initiative sixty-five and Initiative sixty-five A, or some division like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. They wrote an entirely uh, opposing initiative, titled it the same thing, and put it on the same ballot and tried to trick the voters by labeling them the same and, and having a an fairly iffy question about it into voting for the state's alternative to initiative 65. And when that didn't work, then when we passed initiative 65, you immediately had Mayor um, Mary Hawkins of, um, oh, I can't remember the the name of her city now, uh, but she's in Jackson County, Um she was the one who filed the lawsuit uh, saying that initiative sixty five which had passed and was theoretic- theoretically now in the state's constitution as an amendment, passed and written via the people. She said that it was unconstitutional that her city could not tell someone where dispensaries should be located, and all right, that's a fair claim, but um you could have just amended the initiative, but instead they decided to strike down the entire citizen formed initiative and instead spent a year forming this one that we have in our hands and so i'm wondering if maybe there was a few different cooperations going on um also jackson county now has a uh what is it it's going to be a total of eight million dollars being put into a medical marijuana facility which is thirty thousand square feet wide and um well i think there's probably a few things going on with all of that in that situation So I think that you were right all along and that there have been lobbyists because they know that if Mississippi entered into the national competitive market for cannabis, we'd probably be pretty good at it.
1: And I spoke, well, yeah, I I mentioned, and we've talked about uh, pharmaceutical companies concerned about losing their profits to people who grow cannabis instead of producing Mm -hmm. addictive opioids, but... Anyway anyway, the point is it, it really just looks like a huge conspiracy to not allow medical marijuana until a bunch of very important people had figured out how to milk most of the money out of it so that the small right. so that the
0: small man doesn't have a shot. And so I would like to wrap back around and talk about in the end I would like to end on a high note about what good this will do for the uh state but also i think it's important to point out and get to the financial aspect of this which is um not looking good for small-time mississippi farmers who want to get into
1: that's another point
0: that needs to be made yes
1: i'm they'd have to be it's obvious by profit incentive they'd have to be worried about medical legalized marijuana replacing opioids but the other factor is as more and more states get involved, we're talking about the state of Mississippi, and we—you may as well say the South—Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, uh, the, the Carolinas. These are, for with good reason, geographic reasons, we're very good at growing things, and we have a—we're well steeped in agriculture. Mississippi State's Department of Agriculture is one of the most prestigious agricultural study institutions in the world. We have
0: several very high quality agricultural schools.
1: So, I mean, I'm sure that's another source of lobbying. I feel like it just has to be there. People from other States who are, you know, not dealing with as much arable land as a state like Mississippi with not such a tradition of agriculture and, and where agricultural skills aren't so common in the general population. If Mississippi ever gets a full-blown, which I think we should and will eventually, where it's just legal as it should be mm-hmm. f- from the beginning, if it ever becomes absolutely legal, southern marijuana in the in the agricultural belt will bury agric- uh, marijuana in the north. And let's not. So uh, I'm I'm sure that's a source of of money lobbying coming in, is people trying to make sure that very well agriculturally equipped states don't get in on the marijuana game.
0: Not only are we equipped agriculturally, not only do we have the education, the students and the teachers to do this and pull it off right, Um, we might not have the experience, but keep in mind that in Mississippi or not in Mississippi State University, but in the University of Mississippi, deep down in their basement, they have been growing federal marijuana for decades, experimenting on it, making medications out of it. The medications that we have that are federally available uh, for—we actually have a federal medical marijuana program, believe it or not, even though it is a Schedule I drug, which means that it has no medicinal benefits and only abuse—potential for abuse. The federal government has its own medical marijuana program, of which a few dozen citizens are applied to every so often. We have been growing medical marijuana for them for decades. So Mississippi has, in the deep recesses of its soul— a large multi-story building full of marijuana plants. And we always have. And at the same time, we've been spouting off nonsense and legislating nonsense about the the dangers of marijuana. And now here we are, it seems, only changing our minds because of profit. Now, I don't think that every legislature and legislator in Jackson is just, in it for the profit because there do seem to be some things in here that were put in intentionally to protect the citizens who this will be for. And I'm glad for that. But as we look at the prices now, I have a feeling, and the rules around those prices, I have a feeling that someone up there is just looking at the money. And I'm not sure how it's going to exactly get to them, but politicians tend to find a way to make money get in their pockets one way or another.
1: Well, I mean... Think about, as as we do this, just to make this, put this in real perspective, if you're currently paying a note on a vehicle, consider what the total price on the lot of that vehicle was and what your monthly note is. And just keep that in the back of your head as we talk about this. We have a brand put together a table. Is this taken directly from the bill itself or did you
0: copy this into a table? I'm turning this into a table. It was in, It was free formed in the bill. He's, he's given us a table here. And just to start off with... Uh, well, can I explain something first off the top? hmm Is that there's a stipulation to these prices and to the entire program. If you are what's considered a micro-cultivator, your operation has to be funded 100% with Mississippian dollars. Or if you were to get a loan from a bank, it has to be... Uh, leaned against 100% Mississippi owned property. So you can have up to 2,000 square feet and it has to be 100% funded by Mississippians. Anything over 2,000 square feet only has to be funded 35% by Mississippi investors. And that is only until a set date in, I believe, December 2022, in which that rule will be absolved. And any operation in the state of Mississippi can be funded 100% by outsider investors. So I just wanted to put that on the table first.
1: Well, first of all, this is highly suspect right off the bat because, as I said earlier, I've looked at the requirements for building alcohol facilities and you're dealing with a schedule of flat fees. Here's the fee you pay to own an operating bonded winery. Here's the fee you pay to operate a distillery. And here's what the definition of a distillery is. Here's the annual fee. Here's the initial permit fee. Well, right off the bat, when you look at this, these requirements, the fit, the schedule of fees for a medical marijuana farm, it's laid off by the square footage of your facility. So. That, that to me, is suspect right away, because why would you do that? Why would you not have a flat fee? Here's what you have to pay to farm marijuana. Right.
0: This is more like a uh, hidden tax. It is very much a hidden tax. And they are already taxing you by the ounce that you sell. Exactly. So it's really just another form of taxation, so, in my eyes.
1: So let's talk numbers. Tier 1 and Tier 2 cultivators, these are considered micro-cultivators. That's... If your tier one is 1,000 square feet or less, tier two is uh, 1,000 to 2,000 square feet. The application fee, the flat fee that you have to pay, there's two fees. One is an application fee that you pay, I would assume, one time just to Mm -hmm. to get your foot in the door to have the application. If you're 1,000 feet or under, that's tier one micro farming. It's $1,500. If it's uh, 1,000 to 2,000 square feet, It's $2,500. Now, that's not terribly unreasonable when you look at other similar fees to operate an alcohol business, uh, to start a restaurant, a bar. That's not terribly unusual. But on top of the initial application fee, you have an annual licensing fee. If you're tier one micro, that's 1,000 square feet or under, you're going to have to pay, you paid $1,500 to get the application. And if you're approved, you then have to pay $2,000 every year. For an annual licensing fee, and if you're tier two micro farming, which would be 1,000 to 2,000 square feet, you have to pay $3,500 annually to continue to be in the good graces of the law. Now, other than niche uses, I mean, for instance, if you're a cancer patient and you have space to spare and you say, I want to help other cancer patients with this. In theory, that micro farming would be good for you because you could, if you had the money to spare, you could work your pricing out and you could maybe have a nonprofit farm Mm. and you wouldn't pay business taxes or income taxes on it. And you could distribute marijuana products to other cancer patients. And that's a very, that would be a very, that's a hypothetical. It'd be a very beautiful and generous thing to do. But. If you're a legitimate, if you're an entrepreneur who, who isn't necessarily directly tied to the use of medical marijuana, but you just want to invest in it in the state of Mississippi as a business opportunity. Once you're, you're really not going to do yourself much good when you look at the schedule of taxes by operating a one to 2000 square foot facility. If you're an entrepreneur who wants to grow it for profit, Mm -hmm. You're going to want to go into a reasonable-sized indoor farm. Okay. So the next step up from the Tier 2 micro, that's uh, 1,000 to 2,000 square feet. The next step up from that is Tier 1, non-micro. That's two to 5,000 feet. The application fee for a facility of that size is $5,000 off the top, and... W- per year to remain in business. Now, one step below that at a tier two micro growing facility, that's one to 2000 square feet. We had a $3,500 annual licensing fee, not terribly unusual, especially when it refers to when you're in a very conservative state and you have these, this, this, bias, legislative bias against vices, quote unquote, where gambling, alcohol, cigarettes, recreational drug use is going to carry heavy, any business associated with these things is going to carry heavy permit fees anyway. It's a method of deterrence. Mm -hmm. Even so $3,500 annual licensing fee, that's tier two micro. That's not terribly out of the bag. We just go one step up from that two to 5,000 square feet, which is not much the application fee is $5,000 and then you're going to have to pay $15,000 a year every year to remain in business operating a 2 to 5,000 square foot growing facility. Now, I look at that and think, hmm. We went up what, $1,500 for in the in the two micro tiers, micro tier 1 and micro tier 2. The annual licensing fee at tier 1 micro was 2,000 we, add, we go up $1,500 from that for Tier 2 Micro, and that's $3,500 annually as a licensing fee. And then the next step up from that,
0: we've gone to $15,000. But that goes hand-in-hand hand with the stipulation, is that those can be funded from outside sources. Exactly. So there's two angles to
1: that. That's either underhanded legislative deterrence. We'll give it to you in name only, but then we're going to install poison pills in the legislation that mean even though you you can't say we're denying you the right to do it, we're going to make it so difficult, so expensive that we know you can't possibly do it. That's an option. The next option is blatant money gouging. So, for reference... $15,000, that's half of the income per year of someone who makes $30,000 a year. So, as usual, politics takes a really beautiful, commonsensical, helpful thing and turns it into an absolute mess, a corrupt mess. I look at medical marijuana and I think, well, obviously, if you've ever had to watch someone on chemotherapy and it's it's a toss-up as to whether the incessant nausea and loss of appetite and malnutrition from intense chemotherapy is going to kill them before the cancer does. And here we have a drug that if readily available could make that tolerable, could give more dignity and create a better chance of survival for, for cancer patients and, and, and sufferers of patients who have, many other diseases uh, from terminal cancer down to glaucoma or anxiety problems. Uh, That's beautiful. And then on top of that, I love my state. I want to see my state do better. I mentioned we're a heavily agricultural state. I look at medical marijuana, and I think an opportunity to help people who are very, very sick and in need of relief uh, and an entrepreneurial opportunity to bring economic stimulus to the state you can look up, and I would encourage you to if you're interested in this, uh, how much more uh, revenue, what kind of an economic stimulus comes into the states who've legalized marijuana from a, on a lot of dimensions. Um, because obviously once it's legal, your, your criminal justice system, your police out on the street mm-hmm. aren't having to use, don't require as much funding to incessantly confront the use and sale of marijuana, and on the flip side of that, those tax-producing, revenue-producing dispensaries and farms are making money. Okay, so it's a win-win situation. You can't lose by having even just medical marijuana in your state, and this is a severe barrier to entry. This is going to cause immense barriers to entry because who's going to borrow Who's going to be able to afford $15,000 a year? That is a huge chunk of the average household income of America, $15,000 a year. And that cost is going to be for those who actually do have the assets. And it's not going to be small-time entrepreneurs who could use the business opportunity of, of growing and selling medical marijuana. It's going to be big money that comes in. People who already had a lot of dough and a lot of connections and a lot of big lines of credit, they're going to come in. And they're going to build these facilities. And then that cost for these ridiculous licensing fees is going to get passed along to the consumer. This is a medical marijuana bill. The people who are going to be buying the the marijuana grown under the provisions of this bill are not people who smoke it recreationally. It's going to be people who are in desperate need of it.
0: And I'd like to say, um, I calculated the cost of what it will cost the average patient. Let's say that You have a condition in which, say, like you're going through chemotherapy, you're going to need to be smoking or consuming marijuana regularly in order to stave off those symptoms. Because it's usually a weekly therapy. Mm -hmm. And um, you may have to smoke, say, in the morning and evening every day, and you may have to smoke a sizable amount, honestly, because the tolerance goes up pretty quickly. So you're probably going to be smoking an ounce a month at least. Um, But the cost for someone, because they're not requiring insurance to cover this obviously, because it's federally illegal and these insurance companies work nationwide and so you just get in the tricky water there. So, they average, In that case,
1: I wonder, as a side note, whether Medicare and Medicaid will pay for it. They won't. They're not required to.
0: Um, you're looking at about $300 for an ounce of medical marijuana and adding on um, the taxes, you're going to be paying $354 with no insurance coverage a month. Um, most people who are incredibly sick have no money, so to me already, this seems an issue because you're you're forcing the cost to be so high because even for dispensaries, they have a twenty five thousand dollar annual license, so you have to make sure you're paying for your twenty four twenty five thousand dollar annual license. Before anything else, not to mention the 10 employees you're going to have that are going to cost the same amount times 10, not to mention leasing the building, not to mention all of the equipment and not to mention having inspectors come in and making sure everything's up to code and labeling everything and having just paying for all the electricity and all the bills to run everything. It's
1: it, And the compounded cost of buying raw marijuana and I mean... You brought up dispensaries. These ridiculous fees, I'm looking here. You're looking the, at a million dollars to run one single building. Right here, tier five, 60 to a 100,000 square foot building. It's a $40,000 fee to apply to have that facility licensed to grow medical marijuana. And it's $100,000 annual licensing fee to keep it going. So right there. I dread to think what that's going to cost wholesale going to the dispensary, and then you compound these costs of operating the dispensary. God knows what it's going to cost a patient to have this per month. As Bryn said, the publicly funded healthcare programs, Medicare and Medicaid, aren't going to cover it. Private insurance isn't required to cover it. Okay, it's private insurance. I'm not. I'm. A free market capitalist. I'm not for the government telling private insurers what they do or don't have to cover. That should be sorted out by the market. But it seems to me the whole purpose of Medicare and Medicaid, the whole defense of having those programs is that people who cannot find refuge as far as having their medical care provided for anywhere else can get it through Medicare and Medicaid. There is, there is a saving grace here, though. Let me say this. Let's say it's going to cost you $300 a month to have this.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Imagine what would happen, and I don't know how insurance companies will respond to this. Imagine what would happen, say you suffer from long-term chronic pain, and for that you're taking a significant amount of opioids every month. And a doctor evaluates you and tells you, well, you could smoke X amount of marijuana a day or you could take edibles or whatever and it would give you the same measure of pain relief as the opioids and so you go to your doctor and you discontinue the opioids and you say I'm going to be privately paying $300 a month to have marijuana you could accept lower prescription drug coverage so I'm wondering if there's a, I don't know the intricacies here. I'd like to have a professional in in healthcare find as it happens.
0: Now, I was going to I actually from what I read, I'm pretty sure that um Medicare and Medicaid were not going to be covering, but I can't say that 100% certain because that is on a state level. We need to too. fact check that. So we're going to have to fact check that one. But um I mean it, it just I can't imagine that they necessarily would because aren't those Federal programs as well? Both. It might be two. There, tricky. There's a weird
1: system. It, it There's Medicare and Medicaid. One or the other is entirely federally funded. The other one is partially state, partially federally funded. Mm.
0: So there may be some way for some people to get it covered. But...
1: But, but what I'm saying is I wonder if by the back door, I'd like to have an expert come on and discuss this, an insurance adjuster, somebody with great experience in health care. Mm-hmm. accounting and finance, I'd like to know whether even with these exorbitant costs, you may be able to get lower insurance premiums, uh, lower drug costs, or eliminate certain drug costs by using medical marijuana so that even if you were paying three or $400 a month for your dose of of cannabis, you might come out better in the long run by not having to have as much insurance.
0: Right. I don't know that for sure. That could be something. So we've kind of battered the fiscal applications. I think we both understand. There seem... It, it doesn't seem... It. It. I'm not... I can't quite... I've thought about it for a little bit, and I can't quite comprehend the idea behind making small-scale businesses not be able to be funded, but large-scale businesses be able to be funded. It seems actually that um, maybe it should be the opposite, that... <laughs> That large-scale businesses should have to be majority funded by Mississippians, and that small businesses are allowed to be outsiders. That would seem to promote an inside-out growth. Now, they did cite in the bill that the reason that they're the reason that they have this thirty-five um, percent funding from <clears throat> Mississippi, the rest from outside, for the first year, is to avoid lawsuits by outside competitors. That was their statement, is that the reason they're doing that is because there has been a um a history of when a state legalizes medical marijuana, if they control it too much, outside companies file lawsuits against them for saying that you are restricting us from participating in business in your economy. Um that may be the reason why they did that. I or I could, don't know all the details. Or about it could that.
1: be we were talking about how this is a major barrier barrier to entry to small businesses okay we'll say that micro farms have to be 100% funded by mississippians by mississippi money because we've laid the fees out so expensively that it doesn't matter they're not going to start micro farms because they're going to be too expensive anyways so we don't we can say what we want about micro farms that's not going to be a problem anyway the money is going to be in the big farms and we're going to say that has to be 35% funded by mississippi money so a large outside company comes in And this doesn't even stop that because if you were an outside actor, you could come into Mississippi and establish an office and borrow money from a Mississippi financial institution, set up your marijuana farm, and then just pay the notes with with revenue from outside the state or within the state. Mm -hmm. So it, it really doesn't prevent outside. And again, I'm a free market capitalist. I don't care if you were born in California and you want to come and operate a medical marijuana farm here. My problem is not with you. You're just out for profit, and that's what the agents and institutions of the free market are supposed to do. What bugs me is the Mississippi state legislature screwing around with the rights and freedoms of the people in such a way that they're blatantly milking the public and this industry for more money for the state of Mississippi.
0: Now, to be fair, at least, at the very least, they didn't make it to where you have to purchase all of your medical cannabis from the state. Well, that's just... They could have done it. They very well
1: could have Do done it. Do you know it. what honestly shocks me? That they didn't?
0: It does. Me too. They've been doing it for it, alcohol it for decades. It stuns me. It's, it stuns me. I really believe
1: they would not allow any private dispensary uh, or pharmacy to sell. I, I figured when it finally fell out of the shoot and they passed something it would be that it was restricted to certain state-approved locations owned and operated by the state. That's that's, done, that's something. I was speaking about Mississippi and alcohol earlier. We have a, I don't know if I said it before, we have a state monopoly on the exchange of quote-unquote heavy liquors. I was expecting them to do something here where all of your, there would be a limited number of farms the farms would have to sell their marijuana, their cannabis, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, directly to the state, a state facility, and the state facility would be the processor and dispensary for the marijuana. I assume that's what it would look like. I'm really impressed that it, they came out with a solution where there's even a provision where hypothetically you could operate a a privately owned business in this sector. I right. wasn't expecting it. They
0: did give it at least, at least that. They did give it to the private businesses. Um, the issue is that They obviously saw that they could make a lot more money if they gave it to foreign, outside private businesses. And the reason why that bothers me isn't because I'm against national economies sharing wealth with each other. It's that Mississippi has had it bad for a while now. And the state keeps passing legislature that inhibits Mississippians from accumulating their own wealth. Instead, it seems like they want large corporations from other states to come in and have Mississippians be the low-wage employees for those corporations. That's
1: exactly what they're after. I mean—
0: I, We are extremely poverty-stricken here. The state of here. Mississippi, let me say, I, I, I won't speak
1: for anyone else. I'm very proud of where I come from. I, I, I resent it when I see in the media. The classic joke, at least in my, the circles that I move in, has been that when a hurricane comes into the Gulf of Mexico— meteorologists will not even pronounce the name of the state of Mississippi as one of the areas that's going to be affected.
0: I resent that. What did they call it that one time, that landmass? The landmass
1: between, um, what was it, Louisiana or Texas and, Mm -hmm. uh, and Alabama? I resent that highly. The truth is, if you know the history of the state of Mississippi, Mississippi's economy really hasn't properly functioned since the end of the Civil War. Mm -hmm. So since the late 1800s, Mississippi really hasn't had a thriving economy. What Mississippi has done is to produce tremendous amounts of labor, oil companies. You have people from Mississippi that work not just on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, people from Mississippi who've gone overseas, people from Mississippi who've traveled to Alaska, all diverse parts of the world as employees of national and global corporations, because Th- those corporations can get away with paying a lot less money for skilled labor than they would if they went to uh more northern parts of the country and collected their skilled labor and that's essentially what our economy runs
0: on is outside Which, outside corporations by the and way agriculture feeds
1: into the whole opioid epidemic and 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 that kind of a thing, and the immense amount of disability that's paid to mm-hmm. Mississippi citizens is you have men who, as a result of a bad economy went into professions that involved hard physical labor over a very long period of time. And maybe we'll throw in a crippling injury. My father had a debilitating injury that ended his career. He retired as a direct result of a critical injury. So Mississippi, if you're listening to this from outside Mississippi, and you wonder why probably I sound so preachy about this, the reason is, well, I love the state that bore me. I love where I was born and raised. I'm very proud to be from Mississippi. And the state within Mississippi is chronic unemployment, immense amounts of Mississippi's population living on disability, uh, immense amounts of older men who maybe aren't getting disability but still do have chronic pain. Mm
0: -hmm. And lots and lots of drug addiction and drug abuse, primarily not of marijuana. Marijuana is not the raging thing that's happening. It's alcoholism opioids and um and other heavy drugs
1: mm -hmm. that marijuana could well assist in in weaning people off of like the opioid crisis is serious all over america in the in a mississippi and
0: i would suspect all across the deep south it's a
1: serious problem
0: it's serious enough that you can walk into pretty much any high school and it's readily available it's extremely problematic and so
1: I mean, for Mississippi's own legislators to instate legislation that creates these barriers to entry. I mean, if you were concerned about Mississippi, it just seems to me like you would have. OK, there are going to be licensing and permit fees. OK, uh, at, at tier one micro farming. The fee for a one thousand square foot, that's a tier one micro farm. Farm is $1,500 for the initial application, $2,000 a year for your annual continuing operation license, your your annual fee. That would have been, to me, a perfectly reasonable fee to have in place for a facility at any size. And I'd like to point out here, I've had this argument with people before where you'll say something like that. You, you'll say that uh, the the licensing fee, property taxes, whatever. Uh, maybe some states have in-state income taxes. You'll say that something like that should be a lot lower, and someone will look at you. I don't know where this comes from. With a perfectly straight face, they're not being sarcastic, and they'll say, "Well, then the government. How would the government make money?" They're serious, as if, as if for taxes. Of all Whether it's a direct tax on your company or your personal income, or whether it's a a fee or some kind of a backdoor tax, as if having those low cheats lawmakers out of money. And I'd like to take this opportunity to point out on our podcast, the damn government, at no level, state, local, or federal, is not supposed to be a rent-seeking, profit-making institution. If the government doesn't make money off of something, that is okay you're not out to make money. You're out to make decisions that are in the best interest of the public. Having medical marijuana at minimum is in the best interest of the public, certainly in the state of Mississippi. And as far as I'm concerned, recreational use is in the best interest of Mississippi because we have policemen and women who have to go out and confront people every day who do no harm to society except that they have a dime bag of weed in their pocket or in their vehicle. And in the course of those search and seizure operations, police officers are shot and killed. Civilians are shot and killed. Property has to be seized. Expenses are incurred as a cost to the taxpayer, which does nothing to touch the cost of life and health and dignity of law enforcement men and women, police officers, state, local, and federal law enforcement officers, and citizens. And, as an aside, it's not like the American people aren't losing enough of their incomes. American businesses aren't losing enough of their revenue to the government because of the illegal state of marijuana and other drugs. If you want to do what's helpful, worry about what's good for the public, If the government, the state of Mississippi, the county you live in, the federal government, isn't making enough quote-unquote money off of these operations, that's not a valid complaint. So, for the moment, you take what you... Unfortunately, at this point in the United States, we've lost our power. The Constitution guarantees us power as we the people. We the people have constitutional powers We've allowed lawmakers at all levels to develop an attitude that they're free to deprive us of those powers and step on us as they please. It's time we reclaim that power. And you take what you can. (laughs) I'm glad this bill passed. I think it's a demonstration that when the people want something, there is a pathway to getting it. We've got it a little bit thus far, but I hope that in the future the schedule of fees gets reviewed for dispensaries and producers that I hope the taxes get reviewed. And I hope the legislators of Mississippi figure out that it's time they gave quote unquote gave the American people the freedom to produce and exchange a good, which as far as I'm concerned, they're not allowed to deprive us of at the state or federal level. Anyways, I hope that comes through. And yeah, I know I sound preachy, but America, most of the problems we have where government is concerned, and most of our problems, if you do your research and you have any common sense, stem from the out-of-control growth of government. Those problems exist because we've allowed government to grow. It's what politicians do. They expand their power, and ultimately what they're going for is gaining more power in order to better gouge the people for money. and the only reason they're able to do that to the degree that they are is that we've allowed them to. And we're going to have to figure out that it was always under our control how big our government got, how intrusive it became. And we're going to have to put them back in in their place. And we're going to have to make sure they stay in that place. Maybe this this era of trouble that we're going through now, whether you're a progressive, maybe you're in the center, maybe you're a conservative, I don't care what what party you're packing a card for. We're going to have to put our government back in their place, and it may be that this time of of out-of-control government was necessary to remind us that that constitution and the powers it gives us are necessary. That's what we learned in the process of the American Revolution. It's what we're having to painfully relearn now. The elites, the political class, are not interested in your well-being. They want your money, and they want to control you. And the only way you stop them is to use the constitutional, and I'm using the word weapons very carefully, use the constitutional weapons at your disposal to tame government and keep it that way. The underlying issue, there's an issue of medical marijuana and its being available to patients who need it. There's obviously an issue of whether or not the government has the right to restrict the production and exchange of marijuana. Underlaying that, and most of the problems we're facing, most of the things we're arguing about now, is that our government has decided that they get to tell us what we do and don't do, and what direction society has to grow
0: and evolve in, and it's not true. I think think that's a perfect time to transition into one issue that a side issue that maybe is not getting as much attention or will not get as much attention as it should, which is that when we proposed our own Initiative 65 with the public ballot system, it was struck down. Not only was it struck down, but our initiative, our public initiative ballot system was disposed of. And I will read a short quote from an article from NBC that I thought summarized this perfectly. Passed in the 1990s, the measure called for a percentage of signatures to come from each of the state's five congressional districts to get on the ballot. But, the judges noted, the state lost one of those congressional districts thanks to the 2,000 U.S. Census and now only has four districts. That was, if I'm not mistaken, 21 years ago. So, our initiative ballot system has been... um unusable, in quotations, for 21 years, yet we have passed dozens and dozens of initiative ballots, no problem. We have had lots of people write bills and they've been amended in the Constitution, no problem, no fuss. But when it came to medical marijuana, when it came to a lucrative business, the Supreme Court finally noted that because we did not have the proper amount of votes because we only had four districts instead of five, that the entire vote was illegitimate And not only that, but they could dispose of and abolish the initiative voting system altogether. So that means that although they have turned around and given us what we wanted, so to speak, a medical marijuana program, they have also, with one hand they have given and with one hand they have taken. And they have taken the only aspect the public had to amend their own state constitution, which I think is the most abhorrent crime that you can do. And the Supreme Court said, that is up to the state legislators. We have no business. We cannot amend the Constitution. We can only say what is constitutional and what is not. And this is not constitutional. Therefore, it is gone. And they laid it out for the state legislators to deal with that problem. And instead of dealing with that problem, immediately the state legislators crafted this bill to appease us i believe and among that they're also dealing with covid and fiscal responsibilities but i would think fiscal responsibility i would think that giving the public their voice that they demand that they had for the longest time is something that is supremely important and more important than anything else on the table but i haven't heard a word about that
1: and you probably won't because that has to be To a power-grabbing politician, that has to be extremely annoying that you can kind of have this lawmaking by referendum, by public referendum, so that if you're just slow acting on something, that's what that tool is there for, or was there for, I can now say. That's the purpose of a referendum, is that the Constitution plainly says... No, not the Constitution. I was about to say something totally inaccurate. The Declaration of Independence, mm-hmm. and certainly the spirit of the Constitution, is that when a government refuses to redress the legitimate grievances of its people, the people have a right to alter or abolish that government and to establish new government. That's If you don't buy that, you don't buy America, period. That's the whole idea behind the existence of the American Republic. And I think a, the referendum is a great tool for that at all levels because you can a house divided can't stand do you really want a revolution to abolish a government displace a government every 5 minutes no so you meet in the middle you have the opportunity to create new laws or to abolish laws by referendum but well, when you take that away the onus is totally on the lawmakers I think it creates undue political friction and instability. So if the Mississippi state, the the officers of the Mississippi state legislature are responsible, I think they'll immediately should have probably already, but will immediately jump on this issue of there being no referendum system extant now, thanks to this Supreme court ruling. And I don't really see why that was an issue to begin with. We lost a congressional district. Scratch out five and write in four. I don't see why that's a serious legislative hang-up anyways. It wasn't
0: until... The issue of medical marijuana came up. It was a big enough issue. And then they decided, oh, look, there's a loophole here. Just shut it down. Now, um, I did want to say, I feel like we've probably expressed most of what we're going to say about this. Is there anything else you want to add or go over about the logistics of it before we kind of close the subject and move on to something else. There are some details I wanted to go over, but at this point I feel like it would just be going through dots. Uh, All of this information is readily available. There's a really good Mississippi, um, Mississippi today article, I believe that, uh, that breaks it down and I can link that in, in all the descriptions.
1: We'll do that, and uh, certainly we'd like to hear your opinions on uh, social media. We mentioned earlier we now have Twitter and Facebook, which we've had for a while now, but I don't think... And I would encourage
0: you, um, probably, uh, I run the social media accounts, and I'm least active on Twitter, so (laughs) I would suggest instead going to the Instagram and Facebook pages, um, those are where I'm most active. I'm just not familiar with Twitter, and it's also, it's kind of dangerous out there. Well, yes, you have these issues with Twitter wanting to fact check people for their unfortunate facts. So, Instagram and Facebook would be the best place. There's also um, a website, um, TheLastConversation.Simplecast.com. You can find everything there, and you can download MP3 files of it as well if you don't want to use iTunes or Spotify or whatever else you want to use. We're pretty much on every podcast platform, even even Amazon. If you have an Amazon Alexa, you can just tell her, "Hey Alexa." play the last conversation
1: we'd love to hear your thoughts and i think i can say if there's any mississippi state lawmaker who'd like to sit down and have a discussion about this
0: for or against we're we're this is a conversation is what it's supposed to be and sometimes it gets a little echoey if no one else is talking so i actually would greatly appreciate even someone who's vehemently against our views we would not ever attack you. if
1: there's a lawmaker uh, an industry professional, someone who has relevant experience who would care to talk about this, we'd be all too happy to do some kind of an interview. We'll figure it out. We will get the interview done. We'd certainly like to hear you guys' opinions on social media, no matter who you are. That's what social media is there for. Express yourselves.
0: So in closing, I just wanted to say one last thing. I think that medical cannabis is going to be an overall good thing for the people of Mississippi. But as you can tell, in our opinion, for the business owners of Mississippi, I think they're being taken advantage of, and I think that there's a lot of issues surrounding this topic that the state has just sold out in order to get extra profit for themselves. But we just wanted to say thank you for listening. Uh, Please reach out to us on social media, or um, you can email us at last conversation podcast at gmail.com. So thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And please share and leave a review if you like it. If you don't, just send us an email and tell us why you don't like it. That'd be appreciated too.
1: And join us next Thursday for our next episode when you can rejoin the conversation. So thanks guys. And have a good one. Bye.